listening to PetLifeRadio.com. That's it. You're madder than a junkyard dog, and you're not going to take it anymore. Your feathers are ruffled, your dander's up, and you've got a definite bone to pick. Welcome to Pet Peeves, the show that lets you dig through the dirt and unleash your passion for pets. Why let sleeping dogs lie when you can take the bull by the horns and let the fur fly? So get your claws out and get ready to rattle some cages on Pet Peeves with your host, pet expert and award-winning author, Amy Showtime. Hey there, and welcome to Pet Peeves on Pet Life Radio. I'm your host, Amy Shojai, and today we're talking about animals in movies and TV. Look out, here comes my rant of the week. If you're like me, you grew up watching shows like My Friend Flicka and The Littlest Hobo. You cried your eyes out over Thomasina and Old Yeller, and then you cheered when Roy Rogers' horse Trigger raced to the rescue. Let's face it, animals strike a chord with TV and movie viewers. We're amazed at the exploits of Lassie, captivated by Grizzly Adams and friends, and feel that rush when Ben-Hur's horses win the chariot race. Even today, Animal Planet franchise brings us boatloads of cutesy animal fare. Popular movies like 101 Dalmatians, the upcoming Marley and Me, Snow Dogs, Beverly Hills Chihuahua have us howling for more. And then there's the House Cat House Call show and Greatest American Dog that entertains reality programs that educate and inspire. But are these shows good for animals? Popular training shows make us think that any dog can be an Einstein and any behavior problem solved in a half hour. Now, if that's the case... Can't any critter just be trained to do those movie stunts with a little creative persuasion? Does the horse really know how to fall down and play dead? What kinds of creative techniques are they using to get that exciting shot? And would you put your own pet through it? In the bad old days of cinema, it was more common for an anything-goes attitude to get the shot. But in our modern, humane age, are things any better for our on-camera animals and What really happens after the cameras stop recording? My guest today, Frank Steele, will answer some of these questions. He taught speech, theater, and film history for 27 years and is also a professional actor with real-world film and TV experiences. So, folks, gather up your fur kids, call the parrot, and snuggle up to your tarantula. (laughs) They'll all want to know the truth. We'll be right back with Frank Steele after these messages from our sponsor. Okay, time to call off the dogs. Pet Peeves will be back with more biting topics right after we kibble a little with our sponsors. Do you love your dog? Then you'll love feeding him mouth-watering, all-natural treats, lovingly handmade by a professional caterer who wanted the very best for her dogs. Make no mistake about it, these are not ordinary dog treats. These are doggy delights, like breakfast banana biscotti, honey bear peanut butter balls, yummy apple cinnamon mini cakes, and so much more. Your dog will howl in delight. And now you can get a scrumptious sample pack by going to dingersdogtreats.com. It's a $25 value, yours for just $9.95 through this special radio offer. That's D-I-N-G-E-R-S, dingersdogtreats.com. 
Every one of these gourmet doggy treats is handmade from the finest ingredients and taste tested on our own dogs. Your dog will love them. Get $25 worth of doggy delights now for just $9.95. Go to dingersdogtreats.com now. That's D-I-N-G-E-R-S, dingersdogtreats.com. Yum. There's nothing like a shaggy dog, baby. They're shagatelic. And this is the place to find out how to have harmony in the household with your pets. Oh, yeah. So stop by our pad every week and get switched on, baby. Switched on to the show that's all about attitude. Oh, behave. With your groovy host, pet edutainer Arden Moore. Yeah, baby, yeah. Every week on demand on PetLifeRadio.com. Let's Talk Pets on PetLifeRadio.com. We know you're foaming at the mouth to get back to pet peeves. So here's Amy with some more tail-tying, fur-flying fun. Welcome back to Pet Peeves on Pet Life Radio. We're talking today with Frank Steele, a retired teacher, a movie historian, and a professional actor. Welcome to the show, Frank. Well, thank you, Amy. It's great to have great for you to have me on. I appreciate it very much. Well, what I like to do first, Frank, on most of my shows is have listeners learn a little bit about the guests. So, tell us a little about yourself. What cats and dogs? What critters do you have in your household? Oh gosh, I've got I've got uh, two dogs and three cats right now. All my life, it's been dogs and cats. Great pets, love them to death, and uh, wouldn't take anything in the world for them. I really wouldn't. So this has been an interest of yours for many years, the animals in the movies, kind of a, a hobby that turned into uh, a lifelong dedication to them. Is that right? Well, it really is. And it kind of like you said in your intro, uh, you know, I grew up the same way you did, you know, watching the uh, Westerns. I love Westerns, still do. Uh, love animals, still do. Uh, but now it's kind of like one of those things, if, if you kind of know how it's done, it's not as much fun. Through research and through uh, a lot of the stuff that I taught when I was... Um, teaching school you know it's just it's not all the the glory that it's made out to be it's, it's an exciting shot but what you don't see is the is the death involved a lot of times the um the inhumane treatment uh the broken necks the broken legs the severed hooks things like this oh and, my gosh uh, yeah it's it's pretty bad i can give you a little little history of it if you'd like yeah i'd love to hear let's, let's hear a little bit of the history of the animals issues in the movies and and maybe give us some examples of uh, just off the top of my head. I mean, Tarzan. Well, you know, I mean, basically, cruel treatment of animals has been around as long as movies have been around. A good example, um, Tarzan the Ape Man, starring Elmo Lincoln, uh, back in 1918, silent movie. Uh, there was, and it is a bad story, but there was this whole lion who was kind of a studio pet, declawed, it was an ex-circus lion, uh, no teeth, and it just would roam around the studio, so they wanted a good shot of Tarzan killing a lion, so they, they drugged the poor old thing. And um, Elmo Lincoln jumped on his back and killed it with a bayonet. And oh my gosh. Uh, for uh, the sake of promotion, they had it stuffed and mounted and sent it around, uh, first of all, to Radio City Music Hall, where the movie premiered, and would take it around to, um, to the movie premieres. And, you know, and it's, it's one of those things that that's the real story. Another story is that, the animal really wasn't stabbed to death if they had killed it before.
before the scene and he just jumped on a dead animal and killed it. But I've, I've actually seen the movie and that's not the case. And, you know, there are a lot of things like that. You think, well, was it really necessary? Well, of course not. It really wasn't necessary. And horse falls, you know, horse falls are just barbaric. You know, we've all seen the Westerns, the Roy Rogers films, things like this, where the horse tumbles with its hooves pulled up under it. And of course, that's, as a lot of listeners probably know, was what was called the running W, which was invented by Yakima Canut, who was a great stuntman. Uh, won a special Academy Award, was a stuntman forever, ex-rodeo rider from Yakima, Washington, and uh, really made it where modern stuntmen were modern stuntmen. Uh, he's the one that perfected it. And just like I say, the best of the best, his son Joe Canut was the, the stunt double for Charles and Heston on Ben-Hur, and uh, the original Ben-Hur, which was filmed... Again, the silent movie version of it, they killed several horses in the chariot race, even in the 1959 version. They used the running W then. And it's it's a very exciting movie, but for myself, I can't watch the chariot race because of knowing what happened to the horses. And a lot of this, and you got to kind of consider the times, I suppose. You know. Yeah, during those times when animals were, were really not... Our pets that, that we know today, they were, they were expendable, they were farm creatures, they were, you know, you raised them and then you butchered and you ate them, or, uh, you know, if the cat died, you just got another cat to mouse. Well, exactly, and, you know, up until the 50s, uh, there was a, a tremendous amount of glory attached to the to safaris and the great white hunter and things of this nature, and it's just really, uh, we didn't have the sensitivity then that we have now, and what really kind of brought it all to the forefront was a movie back in 1939, uh, which was titled Jesse James. It starred Tyrone Power and Henry Fonda. And there was a horse that was blindfolded and tripped and sent over a cliff. Of course, the horse died. There were also two horses that were uh, driven over a cliff, a 75-foot cliff, which is a seven-and-a-half-story building. Oh, gosh. And, uh, the stuntman lived. The horses died. And, again, there was the running W, which has trip wires around the horse's front hooves, and they were either attached to a post, and he would run out, the length of the wire and pull the hooves up under him or it was attached to the saddle where the rodeo rider could pull the wire and throw the horse's gate off and would trip him that way, which was a little more humane for the horse, but not a lot of times. And the sad thing is that most of the time it ended up in, as I said, severed hooves, broken necks. There was a guy off camera with a high-powered rifle who would shoot the horse. Horses were, horses were cheap back then, so were stuntmen. You know, you could uh, hire a stuntman for seven fifty a day in a box lunch and for an extra two fifty, he'd fall off of a horse. And oh, you had to consider back then. You think, well, seven fifty to ten dollars a day—that's not much. But considering that was uh, nineteen eighteen to nineteen twenty, uh, that was really pretty good money. I mean, you could buy a brand new car for four hundred dollars. So, if the so, stunt man survived, then he actually had a career. And if not, well, whoops, we'll get to hire the next guy. Pretty much, these guys were a lot of them were you know ex ranch hands and ex rodeo riders and people like this who were looking for some extra money. And as I say, the money was pretty good in Hollywood. That was good money back then. Uh, the good thing is, as a result of the movie I was telling you about, the Jesse James movie, there was really kind of a public outcry. And uh, that's when the, um, the American Humane Association got involved because it was just like, enough is enough of this. And they still use the running W to this day. The only difference is they don't film it in America. You know, it's easier to take oh. the second unit, which is the action part of the film. You know, anything that has to do with action, fist fights, uh, Animal action, um, battle scenes, things like this is always uh, what's called the second unit. And the second unit director is the one who handles all the action scenes. So they just move it to a country that does not have oversight, basically. Yeah, they do. They, they move it 
to a, to a place I, at that time, films that were made in Hollywood. Well, Hollywood is close to the Mexican border. They just take the second unit to Mexico where animal laws at that time and probably still are fairly minimal and film everything there. And there's some real heroes that came out of this. Errol Flynn, for one. During Charge of the Light Brigade, there was a director named Michael Curtiz who loved the running W. It was very exciting. You know, moviegoers really didn't know the difference. And uh, Errol Flynn got tired of seeing horses, and they would take days to film these things. Horses just basically being killed senselessly. And he was the biggest star at Warner Bros. at the time and uh, said, if you keep doing this, I'm walking. And they said, okay, we won't do it again in the United States. And they took it down to Mexico and filmed everything there. So, so the first one that really kind of brought it to the forefront. That's incredible. So the American Humane Association, which is involved even today, um, is pretty much required to be on set, as I understand it, when it's being filmed in America then. And they have uh, requirements uh, to make sure that the animals are treated fairly. Is that the case? Well, they do, but, but um, it's kind of a vague wording. Now, the American Humane Association has to be on the set if it's because now they're uh, they're kind of in league with uh, the Screen Actors Guild and uh, professional organizations like that, which is good. But a lot of times, if if they need action film, they they'll still take it to another country. The American Humane Association can approve a film and give it you know a good rating or an unacceptable rating or whatever. And the problem is. It's um, it's not always, but it has a bearing on whether the movie's released or not. The big thing is movie distribution. How are we going to get it out there? How are we going to get the public to see it? It's better if the American Humane Association has their, their seal of approval on it. And, you know, the term that you've probably seen, no animals were harmed or injured in the production of this film, that's a copyrighted slogan that was copyrighted in the 80s. And the films that have that have an American Humane Association representative on set to make sure that no animals were harmed but it's kind of it's kind of as good as the representative if, if that and i'm not speaking for the main association or against them one way or the other but i've kind of seen it both ways and uh it's kind of as good as the representative is i know that uh one of the real popular shows today currently is this greatest american dog and i've only i've only seen a couple of the uh episodes and it's a great opportunity to educate the public about training and these are not professional trainers by any means i mean they've worked with their do- their dogs and their animals some have better skills than others but you really like it when those judges then say you know look at your dog's language he's shutting down he's not enjoying what's going on and so you kind of expect people to do that and then i hear about this an episode where a dog was um, tasked with getting photographs of their particular dogs that represented a particular word. So if the, the, the word was lazy, they had to get the dog act like he was lazy, joyous, angry, whatever. And the dog that was given the word angry, his trainer apparently was at a loss and didn't know how to do it and so started trying to actually make the dog angry. This wasn't an act. She was spraying the dog in the face repeatedly with lemon juice. Oh, my gosh. Uh, This was on air. I mean, this is what the viewers saw, and you really expected the judges then later to come back and say, hey, you know, 
you don't do that. That's not the way you do it. And this is or to have American Humane Association step in. And what we learned from this, a colleague of mine did a column on this, uh, Christy Keith at uh, the San Francisco newspaper. She called him up. The judges only saw the picture. They did not see the training. American Humane Association representatives were not on site for that particular episode. So they can get around this. They can. They can get around it. Well, I'll read you uh, just a little bit here. This is from the American Humane Association website. The American Humane Association, in, uh, in league with the Screen Actors Guild and the Alliance of Motion Pictures and Television Producers, agreed that the AHA, the American Humane Association, should oversee the use of animals in films whenever possible. Now, that's kind of, a, that's, that's kind of vague. You know, it really is. And um, a lot of times there's what I call kind of a, a starstruck attitude toward it. If it's a big production, if it's an important director, important star, or whatever, there are a lot of times people will kind of look the other way. And there are examples, Sam Peckinpah, for example, back when he was hot in the 60s. A lot of good movies, but, you know, his movie, um, Pat Garrett and Billy the Kid, uh, he attached squibs to the necks of chickens because they were supposed to look like they were shooting the heads off chickens. And they blew the heads off the chickens, of course, filmed it in slow motion. It was filmed in Mexico. But they weren't going to uh, kill distribution because Sam Peck and Paul was hot at the time. And it was one of those things where uh, they still got the distribution. It still um, was a relatively successful film. But no one really thought that much about it or paid that much attention to it because it was Sam Peck and Paul. And as I say, the, the AHA has been around really since 1940 after the, uh, the Jesse James movie. That's when they really kind of came to the forefront after the public outcry. And it just depends on... Um, on how much they really want to push, you know, is the is the representative starstruck, and is he or she um, not going to make a uh, big fuss about it? Or are they really going to, as they can, shut the whole production down if there's any cruelty to the animal whatsoever? As I say, they don't have to have the AHA approval. That's just one of those kind of icing on the cake sort of deals. Okay, folks, uh, I don't know about you, but I got to take a breather here. Um, okay. We're going to find out more about animals and how well the American Humane Association does its job or doesn't do its job right after these messages from our sponsors. Okay, time to call off the dogs. Pet Peeves will be back with more biting topics right after we kibble a little with our sponsors. Welcome to Pet Planet. Here's a copy of Pet Planet Magazine, Florida's most informative and fun pet resource magazine. It features heartwarming stories and informative articles from local and national pet experts. Excellent. Pet Planet Magazine offers Operation Planet Rescue, helping rescued pets find new homes. And it's available at 500 locations in South and Central Florida and 24-7 on the Internet at PetPlanetMagazine.com. If you're out and about with your pet, you may be featured in paparazzi, candid pictures of you and your pet. For up-to-date pet-friendly events, activities, and pet-related services and products, Pet Planet Magazine is your final destination. I shall take this magazine home with me. Back to your home planet? No, to my condo in Boca. Pet Planet Magazine. Check them out at www.petplanetmagazine.com or 352-394-8578. It's out of this world. 
Pick up something unique at a Bone to Pick dog boutique. A Bone to Pick has cool hip fashions for big and small dogs that will have their tails wagging in style. Cat products too. A-B-O-N-E-T-O-P-I-C-K.com. Check out our eco-friendly pet products and gifts for humans too. A-B-O-N-E-T-O-P-I-C-K.com. Get your pet's mouth watering monthly with our Gourmet Treat of the Month Club. And join a Bone to Pick's free birthday club for your puppy. A-B-O-N-E-T-O-P-I-C-K.com. Pick up something special for your best friend at a Bone to Pick. A-B-O-N-E-T-O-P-I-C-K.com. Get 10% off with coupon code PETLIFE. Stop what you're doing and start horsing around. Every week on Pet Life Radio, horse expert and award-winning rider Audrey Pavia will be trotting out great tips on feeding, breeding, and more on everything equestrian. So set a spell and say hey to Audrey and get ready for a darn tootin' gallopin' good time. Every week on Horsin' Around, on demand, only on PetLifeRadio.com. Let's Talk Pets on PetLifeRadio.com. We know you're foaming at the mouth to get back to pet peeves. So here's Amy with some more tail-tying, fur-flying fun. We're back and speaking with Frank Steele, an actor, movie historian, and animal advocate. And he wants listeners to know that animals should never suffer for the sake of entertainment. Welcome back to the show, Frank. Thank you, Amy. Appreciate it. Now, we were talking a little before the break about American Humane Association and the best intentions. And it's not really a requirement that they be on site when they are there. Uh, they have the power to kind of make you toe the line and, and treat the animals right, but they don't absolutely have to be there. And my question, too, you said it depends on whether the rep is starstruck or not. How do you get to be an American Humane Association representative and be on site? Well, you have to go through their training process. There's a training process involved. And, um, in fact, they will train people uh, from other countries. Uh, if the country is so inclined that they're um, basically animal-friendly, then they can have uh, other on-set monitors trained by the American Humane Association from other countries, and they're certified by the American Humane Association. So they have to go through, it just basically says extensive training. Now, you can download their rules from their website, which I haven't done, but they have okay. to go through a, a training and certification process. I'll give you a good example. One time years ago when they were filming Dallas, the old TV series Dallas in Texas. I was supposed to be the Ewing Rodeo, and uh, I was there working that day. And there was a bull that was in a pen, and one of the um, one of the production assistants, assistants was over there, basically mooing and acting like a bull and making noises and so forth, and really agitating the bull. And an American Humane Association representative came over and said, "You're going to stop now, or we're shutting the production down." Well, I guess it didn't pay much attention. And he kept on. The guy went to the director and um, said, you will have him stop or this production will be shut down. Well, that's going to cost him thousands and thousands of dollars. Oh, yeah. And uh, the next day, the production assistant wasn't there, but the bull still was. So (laughs) (laughs) the guy was doing his job. He really was doing his job. And it was great that he did. And there's no reason for that. There's no reason to tease and taunt an animal who's uh, 
you know, penned up and can't do anything. It wouldn't do anything anyway. It's a gentle animal. Basically, it was set dressing anyway. It was. That's exactly what it was. It was just set dressing. Good way to put it. And uh, this guy was over there just basically giving him a hard time because he could. So the American Humane Association, when it works, it works really well. You bet. They're great to have around. It's a wonderful organization. Well, for instance, let's share some. I mean, we've gotten some pretty heavy-duty experiences and talked about the history and even some stuff going on now that isn't so great. So how about some attaboys to the films that really have done it right on behalf of the critters on set? Well, great example. The Kevin Costner movie, Dances with Wolves. No animals, literally no animals were harmed. And if you've ever seen any of the kind of the behind-the-scenes sort of stuff, I mean, these people spent hundreds of thousands of dollars on fake buffalo during the buffalo hunt, and it looked great on screen. You know, it was, it was almost barbaric to watch, but they weren't they weren't harmed. They they were fake buffaloes, and they showed how they did. And it was it was a real engineering masterpiece. But it really did look good. Um, there was a movie called In Pursuit of Honor, which was a historical movie about after World War One when General MacArthur was going to have the cavalry disbanded and they were going to have to take the horses out and. Um, and his order was to have a machine gun. All oh, the horses. And these guys just couldn't do it. They killed some of the horses, but couldn't do it, and they rounded up all the horses and took them to Canada. Ah. And the movie was filmed in Australia, but there were no animals harmed in that. It, again, it's barbaric to watch, but you see the behind-the-scenes thing. These horses were trained so well. And that's what a lot of people don't realize, too. These trained horses are just like, just like athletes. I mean, these are really, really masterful animals that know exactly what they're doing. The ones that are trained for horse falls and know how to, know basically how to take a tumble. And they're treated very well, and they, and they should be. And they're paid very well. And, you know, that's kind of what you want. You want the, the ones that but they've taken the time to train them, they've taken the time to really almost pamper these horses and, and treat them right. You know, there was a movie, Heaven's Gate, that came out in 1980 started Chris Christopherson, and this they never got the AHA seal of approval. In fact, the AHA was banned from the set. There was a horse that was blown up. Uh, they staged oh, cock fights. Um, and, you know, there was one woman who had um, a lot of horse falls and so forth. A woman who had rented her horse out. The horse came back um, scarred and disfigured, and she sued, she sued the company. They was settled out of court. Uh, it was... And it was kind of, of course, it was a huge flop, too, if that's any consolation. But, right. you know, that was one of the AHA was banned. It wasn't allowed on the set. Yeah, that ought yeah. to be kind of a, a flag then. And if people are caring about their animals, and, and, of course, today there are professionals who that's what they do, is they train animal actors for performance on stage, in films, yeah. and commercials, all of that. They invest a huge amount of time and energy and, and money into training. They can't have, these are not cookie-cutter, expendable animals by any means for just, not even humane reasons, just not for all. economic reasons. You can't, right. you can't have disposable, you know, puppies. No, so, you can't at all. And back in the old days, that's what they were. And, you know, horses were cheap, and, and they treated them as such. There's really a good book out called Hollywood Hoofbeats. It was written by, uh, I hope I don't mispronounce her name, I think it's Patrine Mitchum, which is Robert Mitchum's daughter. It's P-E-T-R-I-N-E. It was published 2005. And it's basically just the history of Hollywood treatment of animals. And really a, a terrific read. I've read excerpts from it. And it really, and she talks about the, 
how the Humane Association came became involved. Uh, a lot of good history there. She talks about the really famous horses. She names them by name: Coco, Hot Rod, Gypsy, Tadpole. Who she says really <laughs> are, were the athletes of their day. And so it's you know it's one of those kind of recommended reading kind of things if you want to find out a lot of real background and how everyone got involved and how the Humane Association got involved and so forth. It's great information, Frank. I appreciate you being here, but we are out of time. Thank you for having me, Amy. I really appreciate it. Absolutely. I want to thank you, Frank, and the producers for making Pet Peeves possible. Folks, tune in next week for Pet Peeves on Pet Life Radio, and you'll hear more about what pisses you off. I hope to feature an American Humane Association representative in a future show, maybe to delve a little deeper into these issues. Now, you can also email me suggestions or post a note to my blog by dialing up PetLifeRadio.com and clicking on the Pet Peeves logo. For free behavior and care tips, check out the new Pet Peeves newsletter available from Shojai.com. Purrs and woofs until next time. And by all means... Enjoy going to the theater. Tune in to your favorite pet theme TV shows. But get educated and demand that animal actors be treated humanely. As a wise man once said, we must know the history or be doomed to repeat it. And besides, you don't want your pets to get peeved. That's it. You're madder than a junkyard dog, and you're not going to take it anymore. Your feathers are ruffled, your dander is up, and you've got a definite bone to pick. Join us each week on Pet Peeves, the show that lets you dig through the dirt and unleash your passion for pets. Your host, pet expert and award-winning author, Amy Shojai, will talk about what makes you howl and what hisses you off. Pet Peeves, every week on demand, only on PetLifeRadio.com.